It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Wednesday night, and the Philadelphia Union are going to the playoffs, but not with Jim Mora. They'll do it with Jim Curtin at the helm, the first Philadelphia Union home playoff game since October of 2011 when I was still in my mid-20s. And joining us to talk about it, making his return to the program from the Brotherly Game, it's Matt Ralph. Matt, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. I mean, I, I, I was in my 30s then, so uh, I'm, I'm feeling uh, feeling a little too about how long uh, 2011 was from from where we where we sit today. <laughs> I know. I feel like we got to do one of those, like, um, you know, what was the the top 10 Billboard song at, back then, and what what video game system were people playing? Was it was the PlayStation 3 out at that time? You know, was it the <laughs> The Sega Dreamcast, you know, one of those like uh, what actually was happening in 2011. Yeah, I mean, I was I, I wasn't a dad then. Uh, neither were you, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot a lot of things I feel like have changed in uh, both of our lives since uh, since 2011. So let's um, let's go. Do do you want to go macro first, or do you want to go micro? Do you want to talk about like Red Bull and the matchup, or do you want to talk about sort of the ramifications of a of a win or a loss in the the atmosphere and stuff like that i'll let you i'll let you choose your own adventure here yeah i think i think we i think we can go for the macro uh look the star just you know sort of take a uh you know thirty thousand foot view of view of things since we're kind of talking about 2011 anyway so absolutely all right well let's do the um let's do the macro then you know in in my um you know, I'll try not to be like dramatic about it, but honestly, I just look at this game and there's just so much that hinges on it. I hate to use the word referendum because I use that word like 40 times in a podcast, like three podcasts ago. But it's it's kind of to me like a uh, like a, a big opportunity to change the narrative about this team and about this this franchise, you know, as as a quite frankly, as a loser franchise that has never won anything. You know, 0-4 all-time in the playoffs, 0-3 uh, in U.S. Open Cup finals, and uh, kind of a symbolic, like, weird... I'm not really into, like, mysticism or any shit like that, but it's it's kind of interesting to me how, like, at the 10-year mark, celebrating 10 years of the franchise, they have an opportunity to finally, finally get over the hump, um, and that would place them in a good situation in this town, and people might start taking them seriously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I think I, I was doing an interview earlier today uh, where I was also trying to avoid the, the word referendum, trying to talk around it, but it is. It is one of those things where it seems like, you know, the narrative that's been kind of, you know, circulating this this whole this whole season just about ever, pretty much ever since the, you know, they started off on two and it was the sky is falling and, you know, kind of kind of recovered early, early, earlier than probably usual and then. You know, had some just really incredible wins uh, that I think really rejuvenated the fan base and, you know, sort of made, you know, those of us who are very skeptical uh, start to question our skepticism a little bit. And I think, yeah. you know, so it, it, it's it's definitely been one of those seasons that's been, been uh, it's because you have to be, they decided to finally, you know, uh, you know have, a, have an exciting season or something. But uh, it, I think, I know you've referenced that in other, uh, other podcast episodes where it's like, you know the people who are are more covering the team now who aren't <laughs> like myself. You know, yeah. I've kind of kind of gotten this. Uh, you know, you know, it's my first year covering for MLS, and um, you know, taking over kind of where where Dave uh, Dave Zylon was you know, has done such a great job. Job and yeah. so yeah, I mean, I'm one of the beneficiaries of that, getting to kind of write articles that you know have been you know a little bit of a different different tone and a different direction than a lot of what Dave has had to, you know, kind of endure over the years, uh, writing, you know, writing for MLS. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, the, the season, the season was wonderful and exciting for the most part, but now, you know, you're still in the same place, right? Where you're going in the playoffs and now that's become kind of an expected thing almost, right? They've, they made it the last two years. Yeah. Uh, the Toronto game, I don't think anyone, Anyone expected that to go any differently than it did, playing on the road. You know, it was a yeah. you know, sloppy weather in Toronto last year. Similar thing, where they're playing on you know a sloppy field 
in New York. Um, you know, I think there was, because of how well they played against New York City at home last year, I think there was a little bit of, hey, maybe this can be, you know, the start of that, get that playoff win and, and that, you know, ridiculous field they play on at Yankee Stadium. And then this year it's like there's a home game. I mean, this it's kind of like the whole thing has been set up for yeah. for it to happen. So now it's just a question of is this going to be a, another thing where we say, oh, yeah, you know, it was another year where they made progress but ultimately really didn't, like you said, change. It really didn't. If they don't win, it doesn't really change anything. It just they showed progress during the regular season. Right, because I mean, you're still gonna. You can say that 55 points was a franchise record. You can say that 16 wins was a franchise record. But regardless of what seed they are, you know, we we kind of all set a preseason goal of winning a home playoff game. So yeah. I think all that other stuff kind of becomes moot. You know, if they don't achieve that goal. So even though you overachieved early, ultimately you did not achieve what you set out to do at the beginning of the year. So it's kind of a strange set of circumstances, but I just think about how much hinges on, you know, the difference between a win or a loss is such a monolithic shift. I mean, if you win, uh, you know, it's the first playoff win ever in 10 years. Yep. If you, yep. if you lose, um, you know, inevitably I'm going to do the tweet saying that they're now zero and eight and those kinds of things. So it's just, it's just, I don't know, man. I just can't shake uh, this idea that it's just like teetering on the brink here, and like whatever uh, happens, win or loss, just has sort of like this 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 huge ripple effect. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the other thing is it, it, it's it sort of I was talking to, to Fafa today after training, and you know, he kind of pointed out. I mean, this is third season at MLS, and he talked about you know a little bit of his experience in Europe, where you know finishing third place is a great season. You know, you qualify for. You know, you know, for uh, you know, uh, you know, Champions League or whatever, depending on the league you're in, right? Uh, yeah. Where uh, you know, you kind of end the season. It's like, okay, third place. Like everyone knows how we finished. Like you know, we had a good season. Um, whereas the, you know, as the playoff system, um, you know, you finish the season. You know, yay, we finished third place. We could have had first. We could have had second, but we kind of you know bottomed out at the end of the season. But now you're kind of going into this whole kind of new new territory where you know, you're hosting a playoff. I mean, this is the first time they've earned the hosting right, right? the hosting privilege, right? Like the last time, yeah. it was a different format where it was a two-leg. Uh, you know, I was talking to uh, the Ben president today, where kind of, he was kind of pointing out too, like that was that you know this is this, this is one game where the, you know no one's in the stands saying, oh, well, if they they get you know such, such so many goals in this game, then they got to do this when they go on the road. Like it's it's pretty much all right there. Yeah. It's all yeah. going to be decided in the building. Uh, so I think that's a new that's new territory, and it's also, you know, you have to you have to say that the, the, the you know the pressure couldn't couldn't be couldn't be greater. I mean, yes, hosting an Open Cup final, you know, was a big deal. I mean, I I think you know winning the Open Cup would, would be tremendous for this this organization. Yeah, but it's still kind of like the other competition, right? I mean. Um, if you, you know, you know, I don't, I don't know how much if they had won those, those two open cups they hosted, how much is that gonna, you know, what's the ripple effect from that for people who aren't yeah. you know, nerds about soccer like us? I don't know. I mean, they didn't win it, right? So we don't, we don't really know the answer, yeah, yeah, but if yeah. they win a home playoff game, it's on ESPN, uh, what, ESPN or FS1 on Sunday, if they win that game, you know, it's, it's not overlapping with an Eagles game. Yeah. You know, if they win that game and then the Eagles, you know, get a win over Dallas at night, I mean, then it becomes the story of Sunday is that the Union won a, won a home playoff game and now they're probably going to Atlanta where then they kind of they shift into kind of the underdog role again, which I think in a lot of ways benefits them to play Atlanta on the road. No one's expecting them to win that game. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I don't know that I want. And I said, I said I don't know that, that you know. You could say, well, yeah, if New England upsets Atlanta and Union beat Red Bull, then they host. But I, do you really want to host New England after they've beaten Atlanta? I don't know. No. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. There's a scene in uh, Eminem's video, music video. Um, for all you millennials out there, music videos were a thing that used to appear on MTV. Um, but there was a music video for Eminem's uh, song, The Way I Am, where he has a record executive 
who says to him, this song has cuss words and you're talking about this and that. I can't sell this shit. And, you know, as, as you very well know that writing about soccer in this town, writing about the Philadelphia Union or college soccer, you doing your academy stuff or whatever, like there's always been this ancillary kind of task that it's it kind of falls on us to help help grow the game as well, you know. Uh, Jim knows that we know that it does it doesn't make us homers necessarily but I feel you know for the last like two or three years before I quit the beat to take over the Sixers I felt like the record executive in the M&M video because I'm like I can't I can't sell this shit like I need something tangible that I can go to the four for four Philly fan and I can say hey they won a playoff game or hey they have a trophy or whatever you know I, I don't feel I personally don't feel like I can sell 55 points and 16 wins if I'm trying to explain to them that they still lost at home and they've never won a playoff game, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, because what, what does that even what does that even amount to, right? I mean, third place, if the Phillies finish third place this year uh, and lose a one-game wildcard playoff, no one's happy about that, right? So, yeah, yeah. And that would kind of be the equivalent, I guess, right? I mean, you could say, um, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, we'd have a whole other conversation yeah, about yeah, yeah. our playoffs, but in baseball. But I mean, yeah, it is one of those things where it's like, okay, well, you know, you know, the Seattle Mariners won 116 games that year, right? But the, but no one's like, oh yeah, remember that Mariner season? They're like, oh geez. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> they won 116 games and didn't do jack in the playoffs, right? Because so no one's saying like, oh, that's one of the great great teams in the history of Major League Baseball, but. They're saying that's a team that choked, you know. Yeah, they have to get couldn't couldn't perform in the postseason. They have to get over this hump. They just have to get over it, you know, because the the you know in in normal circumstances you'd say whatever, okay, they lost a home playoff game, whatever. But you're carrying like nine years of weight, you know, with it. You know, there's a culmination of all that stuff that says they just haven't been there before. Like they have to get over this hump, um, and so the pressure's on. And I, I yeah, I don't I don't think you can play an underdog card here at all i mean they are the better team they are clearly better than the red bulls they beat them at home um they should beat them um let's just let's just do one more macro question then we'll switch it to micro then do you get a sense like are you reading anything between the lines you seeing any body language uh cues you you feeling the temperature of the the team or or any other like just soccer fans union fans you've talked to do you get, get a sense of how they're how they're leaning one way or another? Do you sense that people are confident? Are they nervous? What's kind of, what's kind of been the vibe? I mean, definitely a lot of the fans I've talked to are pretty are pretty nervous about the about the, the whole thing, and I think a lot of the nervousness comes from the form of late and you know kind of the disappointment. You know, and Jim will Jim will spin it you know the the positive way because I mean that's you know he's going to do that, but yeah. I mean, he's generally a pretty positive guy anyway. But, you know, when you look at some of those results and, you know, the loss in Columbus, I mean, that's just inexcusable. You look at the, you know, just the, the performance. I mean, yes, losing to NYCFC at home at the end of the season, like, you know, that's, that happens, right? But just the performance itself was, was, really, uh, was really concerning. And, and yeah. you know, and Harris afterwards sort of talking about guys is kind of, basically walking it in, so to speak. And yeah, that was interesting. Not, yeah, just, I mean, you, when you kind of pick up on that, and you're like, you know, obviously, he, you know, he, he's not happy about, you know, it's not even, in that, in that situation, too, it's not even the result that they lost. It, it it starts to get, when you're, your last game of the season is, uh, you know, there was so much kind of building up toward that. Uh, and then, like, obviously, the Columbus game, you know, it, it was probably hard to recover from that because they're playing for first place and all these other things, scenarios happen. It's like, you know, it's like, how did the U.S. not qualify for the World Cup? Like, all these scenarios had to happen. And But then even even if that all they had to do was not let up that second goal and they're still in, right? I mean, that's kind of the thing for the yeah. U.S. All these things lined up in their favor and they still didn't, didn't do what they needed to do to set up that last game where... Look, they probably they probably lose that game anyway, but you know I think it changes the whole the whole mood of the fan base at least. If hey, we we they they left it for the last game, they yeah. lost to New York City, they played on they you know got punched in the face and they came back and they didn't give up. Like that's a little bit of a different narrative than you know that just disappointment in Columbus. I mean, yeah, losing Bedoya was was 
was uh, was a difficult situation. And then you know you come in last game, Casper gets scratched in the lineup, you know, with an injury, and yeah. and, and pre-game. I mean, it's just the the whole thing. I think just shifts, and even with the, the team, I mean, you have to, you know, the the break has been kind of weird. You know, you know the they've had the international break. Some players have been away. Yeah, but they're start. They're kind of starting to come back. So, I mean, training tomorrow will sort of be the first. Will probably really be the first training. To like, actually have the team back together, the group together. You know, Brandon, I think got back today. You know, you have Blake coming back in from from Jamaica and everything. So, yeah, you're, crazy. it's sort. I I think from that standpoint, it's it. You know, and it could work to their favor. I mean, maybe having you know time off and spending time with their families. You know, to kind of. Regroup. Maybe that's been good for them. We'll see, right? How, however, they come out uh, against against Red Bull. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's definitely. I get the sense just being in, being there and training today. It's a, certainly it's a rainy day, so you're kind of already feeling <laughs> you're all like like whatever it is. You're kind of feeling like, man, this is not, like this is not looking good right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, from from the just from a weather standpoint, but um, yeah, I mean, I I think probably. Uh, Definitely from the fan base, some some nervousness and some anxiety about uh, about how this is going to go. Where if this had been a month ago, you know there was a lot more confidence in the team, and yeah. you know this 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 idea that you know no matter what happens, they're going to figure out a way to find a win, like against Dallas, like against Red Bull, the uh, home game, like against I mean San Jose. You know that was yeah. you know how are they how are they winning this game? They figured they found a way and. Certainly, they got you know a, a pretty big assist from the from the VAR decision. But yeah, they did. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 like that uh, the, that nervousness. I think uh, at least at least among the fan base who were like, oh, here we go again, right? Last what happened last year, where they had this great their best season yet in terms of points or, or however you frame it. Yeah. And then then they lose that game at NYCFC. Then they lose again, and it's like, here, it's over, right? Well, you can justify, um, yeah, I mean, that narrative is very easily justified because we've seen it play out before. You know, in Toronto in 2016, where they actually played pretty well in that playoff game. I think Warren Cravalho was playing with, like, a broken rib or something, but yeah, you know, they, yeah. they backslid into the playoffs with, like, 10 or 10 straight games where they didn't win, you know? Um, and then in 2018, you know, last year with the NYC thing. So I, I didn't I, – I wouldn't – I would – I wouldn't encourage Negadelphia. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I'm not going on Twitter this week and saying, well, I think the Red Bulls are going to win. You know, I don't, I've got my hands full with Eagles and Sixers shit anyway, but I don't, you know, I'm not going to go and say, you know, I think this is what, or this is, this is this, or this is this, but I, I can certainly understand why people would feel queasy about it. Just, just, yeah. just based on the fact that it happened twice in the last four years. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Red Bull, let's remember, lost 3 nothing to Montreal. Montreal was not good this year. Yeah, like, yeah. Better part of the second half of the season. So, uh, you know, you know, Red Bulls had their own problems this year. They're not – I mean, you can point to Red Bulls' experience, and I, I think they definitely obviously have the edge. And I mean, they have a lot more <laughs> – they've lost a lot more in the playoffs, right? But they have that. Yeah. They kind of have more of that experience within their team, within the uh, – just being, being there anyway and, like, understanding – What's, what it takes to to advance in the playoffs, but uh, you know, I, I, there's a lot of question marks about them. I mean, their 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 coach has been on the hot seat for a lot of the season. The, the fans are not happy there either. I mean, I don't I don't know that you're seeing a ton of confidence uh, really from their fan base with the season that they've had. I mean, yes, they've mm. they've kind of kind of seemed like they were turning things around, and then again they lose three Nelson to Montreal. So I mean, there there's. Uh, there's that side of the equation too, where I think, you know, this is not necessarily this is not certainly not the Red Bull team that that won, you know, the supporter shield, right? So yeah, it's uh, not, you it's know, not, I think yeah. there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, you know just there's a little question marks on really on on that side, uh, probably even more so than than in the union. I mean, our, the big question mark for the union is, you know, how well, is Casper really going to be ready to go? Like Tim keeps saying he is. Uh, to start, and you know what, you know, is he going to be able to to score? Because you know, really, he's been the the key factor for this team this year. When he's when he's been on, the, the team has done well, and when he's been off, they, they have a hard time finding goals. Well, um, let's carry that into micro. Then uh, I went back and watched chunks of the first two games, 
And um, I just found that I found both of them kind of hard to analyze because uh, I mean, how would I say it? There was a lot of like kind of wonky plays in both games. Um, mm-hmm. so, so in both games, Andre Blake committed a mistake. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, in the first one, he had the hesitation on the on the ball that was chipped over his head. The second one, he had the howler where he just sort of palmed it right into the guy's path. So that was un, uncharacteristic. You know, I mean, I don't know how you, how you make a judgment on a game when that stuff happens. Then in the first game, he had Sergio Santos hit the crossbar in the first half. The second game, you had Bedoya. Um, they, they had a goal line clearance on Bedoya. Um, even in the Ilsenio game, the first game, where they were down two nothing and they won three to two. Ilsenio's second goal takes a deflection, right? The yep. game, the game winner, the third goal was a penalty save that bounced right to him. Um, <laughs> so it, it just, I, I don't know. It, it, it kind of there was a lot of like little, um, I don't even know what the hell you'd call them, like luck moments, good luck, bad luck, like one bounce of the ball, cliche kind of moments. But I think yeah. if they, I think if I could boil it down to anything, it's the fact that in in both games the union held like fifty nine to like forty one percent possession. Um, so I think it's going to be a classic case of the union coming out, controlling the game. <clears throat> Everybody's going to be real nervous in the stands if they concede early or if they don't score within like twenty five minutes of possessing the ball. But I think it's just got to be one of those things where you just you hold your possession, you're careful in it. Um, don't don't give up too much on the counter and just sit there. And if you have to not be as aggressive as you normally are, fine. But they just they just can't panic within that like first fifteen or twenty minutes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's 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 sort of the Red, Red Bull is probably you know the way they play. You know, when you look at the first fifteen twenty minutes of the game, I mean, they're the type of team that can come in and just just rattle you from the start. And that, and that by the way, is not just the first team. I mean, they play. That style is sort of incorporated into their into their youth teams, and I've actually see I, I saw a lot of Red Bull this past weekend on their youth side. And it's the same thing where you know they they want to pin you in from the start, and they want to basically make sure that you are you know you know they don't they don't want to let you get settled into a game, right? So yeah, yeah. the first the first fifteen minutes against a Red Bull team, no matter what level it is, is that they they are going to try to disrupt you and make you basically not not get comfortable at all and then they're gonna they're gonna yeah. they're gonna create chances off that from the get-go so i think um and then you know and i think the last the last game it showed how you know they're, they're you know they're gonna, they're gonna they're gonna get goals off of those kinds of plays right and once they score then the way just the way they're organized like they can be a real a real bear to, to when you let when you concede to them. Um, I think they become even you know they just become a tough team to to break down and yeah, give true. up that possession. But mm. you know I mean they, they, and let's face it I mean they have they have some they have some real quality in their in their defense. Uh, you know one v one defending with me. Think about like Kamara Lawrence and yeah. he's, what he what he's I mean he hasn't had the, the best season but he still is you know a class defender and you know Aaron Long obviously is. You know, a, a national team player who's, who's back there. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think, and Jim talks about that today too, where you know, the, the you know, they want to, they want to, like, they want to, they want chaos, right? They they thrive on that. And yeah, I, they do. The, the union. That second game is really like that. Yeah, and I think what, where the union have kind of you know, especially when they're playing the four four two, they're obviously they're a pressing team and they're trying to create goals in a similar way where they're trying to create goals off of mistakes and turnovers. Uh, you know, it's just interesting when you see this, the, because of that kind of the ball hunting mentality and everything that's been implemented this year, yeah. where you kind of see those, those styles start to clash a little bit. And one of the things we've seen maybe a little bit too much recently is that when, when, when the union are, when that's not working for them, they kind of settle back into that possessing the ball and basically just holding it and not really yeah. and, then, and then not scoring from it right i mean there's been mm-hmm. um and that's kind of what happened in that rebel game after Rev, that that give that give me goal uh i mean because it's really i mean the game is really a one you know that, yeah that with the with the 96 packed on at the end yeah it was a whatever yeah yeah it was a weird kind of um yeah i just remember that game was kind of like strangely linear and uh narrow um, it just seemed like it was kind of dis- disjointed and kind of chunky. Like, 
I don't, I don't feel like Harris Madunian was really able to put his imprint on that game. I think he's probably like if we're doing the corny like give me your keys to the game thing or whatever the hell. Um, I'd say Madunian's probably number one to just kind of come out, set the tempo, ping the ball around, you know, get everybody involved early, get the possession game going. Uh, and then, you know, him and Bedoya to kind of sit there in the middle and 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 use their veteran presence to kind of like settle everybody in. So to that point, um, I hope that Jim plays 4-4-2. And this is, this is the 11 that I, that I would play. So you listen to this, you tell me if you like it. And if you don't like it, give me your 11. Uh, Blake. Um, Wagner, uh, McKenzie, Elliot, Gaddis, uh, Madunian, Bedoya, Montero. I'm playing Aronson at the tip, and I'm playing Shabilko as one of the strikers. And then for the second striker, you can get if, if Santos is healthy, I'd like to see Santos out there. And if not, um, give me Fabian as a forward because I just don't think I don't think Andrew Vooten uh, really has it right now, and I think his skill set's redundant. With Shabilkos, it's like having two of the same guys running around up there. Um, so give me Aronson, who's more disciplined playing the tip of the diamond than Fabian, and let's just get our defensive, you know, basics in check here. Um, and then give me some flair with Santos or or, or Fabian working with Shabilko. But I, I just think four four two makes the most sense for him. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, I think that's an interesting uh, idea when you're talking about uh, Fabian. I mean, what is it? They've kind of done that a couple times this year, right? Um, and yeah, they yeah. did it in the Galaxy game the first time, but then somebody yeah, somebody then got, got red. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so and, we didn't uh, get to see we didn't get to see too much of it. Things about that Galaxy game is that oh, it, you know, you kind of have you kind of do the the, the well, what would have happened if he hadn't gotten hurt, and what would that game? How would that have like changed the game? And what what would he have been able to do in that formation? You know, yeah. playing playing higher and. Uh, I mean, was the Cincinnati game one where he played in that that spot too? Or that no? might have that might have been another one. I just I think I like him up there because it's just he can't drift as much when you force him up there and you've got Aronson sitting in there in between him. You know, like yeah. he kind he kind of you know because when he plays the tip of the diamond, he kind of drifts back a little bit. He displaces Montero. Montero goes up, then he gets caught in transition. Like mm-hmm. I need I need Montero and Bedoya to just sit there on Sunday. And just shield the shit out of Harris Madunian, and just just defensive transition, defensive transition, defensive transition. Like you just got to lock that down because it's been their weakness for two years now. It's always going to be a weakness when you got a player like Madunian who's not who's not a traditional number six. So, um, sorry if I sound funky. I'm chewing on a thing of ice right now for some reason. But I just think you got to get back to doing what you were doing during that chunk of the middle part of the season, which was. Kind of strangling teams with with that great that great trio of Madunian and Montero and Bedoya sitting next to him, and then if you want to do the switch to the four two three one later, you want to bring El Cino off the bench, you want to bring Pico off the bench. Fine, I just I think I think they're better in four four two, and ex- especially at home, I like them kind of just like suffocating yeah. suffocating you in the first sixty minutes with that. Yeah, you know, and I think I think that with that formation, I'm not I'm not necessarily agreeing wholeheartedly with you, but I, I do like the, what you're thinking because the, you know you start out with a four four two because then the key with that too is uh, one of the keys with that I mean, there's many keys, but one of the keys is that that it, it sets you up like you said with Elsino and and I like Pico coming in uh, into that game, you know, regard, like whether they need a goal or not, I like him coming in, you know, and playing that wing and Elsino on the other wing. Uh, you know when 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 they're hopefully uh, <laughs> or retiring or whatever at that point. But uh, you know, one of the things with Fabian is, and I think he is a X factor or whatever you want to call him, is that you know he he's a guy that they you know they paid all this money to, they brought him in, um, and he's a guy who's going to shoot right. And yeah. if, if, you know, one of what's one of the, been one of the knocks on Wooten even recently, recently where. He has that chance, and he, he gives it up instead of he gives up a shot. He did that a couple times uh, recently, where he's very deferential. He yeah, he hasn't hasn't taken that shot. Well, you know, Fabian's going to take that shot, and you know, you've seen him. You know, for all the you know, Fabian is this or Fabian is that. I mean, the guy has has scored goals this year, and you know, you think about that early goal he scored off it with a header and. You think about just some of the, you know, I, I think back to that FC Cincinnati game where, you know, he scored his best goal of the season 
uh, you know, where he's, <laughs> you know, he starts <laughs> to play with the pass and then he's running behind and, and getting, getting the, the left-footed shot uh, to go. And, uh, you know, it, you know you, you, at a certain point, if Fabian's going to step up and be the guy that they, they paid him to be, it, it's got to be in this game, right? I mean, it's got to be in the yeah. postseason. And I, I like, I, I think Santos has been, you know, obviously it's been a disappointment, but there's a, there's a, there's a reason for that. I mean, every time the guy, the guy gets up, you know, from the beginning of preseason, you know, he's get he has injuries uh, that keep cropping up. Mm. Uh, I think there was a pass injury he dealt with, a current injury he was dealing with, and uh, I, I, I also kind of, I do kind of feel like him coming off the bench uh, could also be a, a real weapon for them. I mean, you think about the game where he did score two goals, he probably could have scored four or five uh, off the bench where it was at. Um, New England, I guess, or uh, yeah. one of the teams where he scored a ton of goals. Yeah. Uh, where you know he's he's another guy who I think you know I you know did this like round table thing where I said you know the two two key guys for, uh, potential guys for me that could could really fuel playoff run would be Santos and Fabian because they're the, they're the two biggest off season acquisitions who have have underwhelmed have been underwhelming this season. Uh, both have had some injury uh, situations and. Uh, you know everything that has contributed to that certainly, but well, yeah, you don't I mean, you don't want to leave another gonna, you don't want to leave another what cool. what if kind of scenario out there. You know, what I mean, like you sit here think like we played a playoff game, we lost a playoff game. Marco Fabian didn't even get in. You know, imagine like thinking yeah. about that and like have, having that stick out as a storyline for years to come. You know, I, I think about like 2013. Like, what if they played Cleberson more? You know, what if Roger Torres never left? You know, things like that. So like don't do yourself that disservice. Like, you know that this guy has the skill. He has the talent. MLS, you can go through a bazillion examples of guys who just really didn't have it in the regular season. Or they came in, like, late in the transfer window and they played in MLS Cup or whatever. You know, the Los Angeles Galaxy yeah. won, a, won an MLS Cup with Christian Wilhelmson in the starting lineup who played, like, six total games for the Galaxy. So, oh, man. That, know, <laughs> wow, that, that was a good one. How's that for a random one? Yeah. Yeah, um, that's good. But, but you just yeah, and like like I said, I mean, it really, the thing is too, like if if Fabian's gonna, you know, yeah, he's like got a ton of shots this year, and but he's a guy that's gonna take the shots, right? And right, um, you know, and I think like you said, if if he's he's uh, I, I also see him, mean, he's a kind of a player who's gonna rise to the occasion, you know, I, um, if he if he is gonna rise to the occasion, it's gonna be it's gonna be in the playoffs, and and yeah. and I that. And really, they they have to depend on uh, they have to depend on him. It would just be a shame if that que- that question went unanswered. You know, yeah, I mean, like it's just why you you just can't you just can't leave that hanging there. I know it's one thing in the regular season to say we like our homegrown guy, we like Aronson, but I, I honestly see a role for both of those guys mm-hmm. in this game. You know, I just I just hope it's. Jim should just simplify it. Say this is what we were good at doing early in the season. Like let's 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 be what we are, and um, you know try to play our game. And if we can't play our game and we lose, so be it. But you just don't want you don't want to end it sitting here saying like, man, what if I I never you know put this guy in or I never gave this guy a shot or something like. To me, it seems pretty obvious that your your guys who can kind of like grab a game by the scruff of the neck are Ilsenio and Fabian. You know, so it would be a shame for the latter not to play. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's let's wrap it up on this then. Um, what what are you feeling, man? Because I just I I honestly don't know, man. I, it's I, maybe I used up all my takes on uh, on Carson Wentz and Nick Foles and uh, arguing all that other sort of nonsense this this week. But you know, one side of me thinks, well, you know, they're going to come out flat. They're going to come out nervous. The crowd's going to you know, if an early goal could take the crowd out of it for sure. Um, the Negadelphia side, but the other side says like surely they can't lose another friggin' playoff game, right? Yeah, you know, I I, I really uh, like I said, I think this is uh, it's setting up to be, uh, you know, I, I think it's setting up to be the game that that they do they do win. I mean, it it, it almost feels uh, you know like you know you know how in sports like there's just certain things that kind of kind of find their way right <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm a i'm a lifelong chicago cubs fan so you know <laughs> it's it, it, it's one of those things where you know you, you you think like okay maybe this is uh you know they have new york red bulls at home right i mean that's 
if you were kind of you're going to say like what is the game that the union need to win for their first playoff game you'd say well at home against purple right because yeah. it's it, it you know regardless you know i got lectured earlier this year in cincinnati by a bunch of Bull fans about how we're not you know the union are not their rivals yeah. ever but yeah. the, the the fact of the matter is is that you know they are a rival and the beating Beating Red Bull would be a little sweeter than beating any pretty much any other team in the East Conference, right? Well, rival, rivalries, rivalries too, can be one-sided and still mean something. Yeah. Like you know, you aren't going to have Philadelphia Eagles fans say just because the Cowboys don't really see us as a rival doesn't mean it's not important to us, you know? And in a way it kind of shapes up. It's a good storyline for storytellers to say that the first playoff win would come against a a New York team, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and it's also, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of history behind that too, right? I mean, we remember the, the the New Jersey, New York Metro stars because we didn't root for them. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't, there's no way. I mean, I grew up in South Jersey. There's no way I root for some, Slash New York, whatever it is. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Or I went to school with a kid who played for them, but I'm not rooting for that team, right? So, yeah. I mean, there, there's a little history of that, and just a lot of. I mean, they've never won MLS Cup, right? So, <laughs> so th- there's there's a lot of like history of failure on on that side of things, and I think you know Philly getting getting one on them, and then you know, hey, maybe making a run to the maybe making a run to the conference uh, semifinals or conference finals would you know would would be one of those things where it's like oh, hey this is uh you know you guys have your supporter shield and and whatnot but this is this is something that you know that maybe you'll maybe you'll think maybe you'll think of as more as a rival or something yeah, right for yeah, yeah. The fans. but uh yeah i mean i i think i think it's setting up in a in a, in, a, in a good way for the for the union but absolutely if they don't win this i think it's going to be I think the aftermath is going to be pretty ugly, and I think, uh, especially if it's like a game that where they just get outplayed. Like if New York comes in here and or New Jersey, certainly, right? Yeah. If they come in, if they come into Chester and just like pounce the Union, I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath from the from the standpoint of the fan base. And, yeah. Uh, the, the, I mean, we're going to see the anger probably seethe in ways that that it hasn't before. But I, you know, I also think too that. I mean, the the kind of the underlying thing in all of this is like the question of, you know, do you, you know, is is that, uh, you know, I think you've asked this question certainly. A lot of us have about, you know, it, does this val- does, does a win and maybe even a run in the playoffs validate uh, the, the the Jay Sugarman as an owner and is that a good or a bad thing? So yep. Yep. I mean, I think <laughs> I think there's probably there's probably some people within the fan base who are like, you know, yes, like. Just have it be a uh, you know uh, a blowout by Red Bull and just burn the whole thing down or whatever. But, that's true. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's probably more of a uh, you know a certain certain select group of, of fans who, who sort of like Rick McGovern focus, focus about that, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there is still the question though of you know do you know if you ever want to see this team be maybe something that they're never they're never gonna be. Uh, but at least if you're optimistic that maybe, you know, they, they, they keep they keep trying the same thing and oh yeah, it's incremental progress, incremental progress and then it just still ends up in the same spot, then this is you know, you're probably probably not you're probably gonna be not that unhappy if they lose, right? But I do think it's it's one of those things where a lot of what's happened this year has sort of set them up in a way that they are a different team. I mean, they don't have anybody on their team really with MLS playoff experience really right i mean yeah i mean who on their team has uh had much of uh just american style playoff experience at all so i mean yeah they've lost open cups and everything but uh you know they're not you know they're not set up that way but i think when you you know you talked about bedoya you talked about harris i mean those guys and you know you can see you can see what bedoya brings when he's not there by the way uh, you know, a game in the last 90 minutes and a half, what, 135 minutes or whatever that he hasn't been in the lineup, you start to see how valuable he is to this team. And, uh, you know, those, those are, those, those, that's your experience, right? Like, yeah, they don't have the, you know, they don't have the MLS cups or anything, like the trophies in that, that yeah. respect. But yeah. I think you do have experience in the team. And, you know, for all the talk about homegrown and Brennan's been, been, been great this year. As an 18-year-old, you know that that's that's I think 
the way this team is built, a team that has experience and that 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 should theoretically be able to get over. I mean, winning one dang playoff game, <laughs> we're not talking about. I know, it's not too you know, much to ask. We're not talking about like, the, the semi-conference uh, final or the MLS Cup. We're talking about one playoff game. Like It's like, yeah. oh, are they going to be able to win this one game, right? Just, I mean, win, just uh, win one playoff really game. Like, help, help, me, help me help you so that I don't turn into the record label executive in the in the m&m video you know help help me sell, yeah. sell, help me sell this well we'll see what happens um it should be a fascinating turn of events no matter what happens matt ralph from the brotherly game uh mls returning to the program matt uh thanks for jumping on man and uh we'll see what happens all right thanks for having, having me back Kevin. Appreciate yeah. it. anytime brother i'll talk to you Okay, let's um, get to your questions and your comments and your concerns. I also asked if you wanted to share uh, your favorite Union and Red Bull moment of all time. Uh, Buzzkill Ed, he says, uh, oh, the last home game of 2010, Fred and Michael Orozco. Uh, yeah, 2-1 win for the Union. A uh, Union foiled Red Bull's bid for the East title. Uh, back then, Michael Orozco was known as Michael Orozco Fiscal. And then he dropped the Fiscal, and he just went with Orozco. So. Uh, Dills, his favorite uh, Union Red Bull moment was Jesse Marsh's tantrum uh, during the um, <laughs> the Open Cup game. Yeah, I remember when he took the he took the uh, he took he took the ball and he like spiked it on the ground. Didn't he get like booted from the game or something like that? It's a good photo of Jim kind of like throwing his hands up in the air. And saying what the hell? Of course, uh, Jesse Marsh now uh, coaching his team to to almost getting a result at Anfield. So you see where he's he is right now. Uh, EJ says giving away shirts so the crowd looks the same. Is that cheesy or cool? Um, it can be either or. Kind of depends how it's executed. I think if it settles into a thing where it's uh, where you do a bunch of it or you've seen a lot of it or it becomes commonplace, then it's cool. You know, for ex- for example, like uh, Penn State will do like a whiteout every year. You know, if um, like if Ohio State or Michigan comes to town, like one of those big teams or whatever, everybody's wearing white, and Beaver Stadium's rocking. Okay, that's cool. Now, if it's like the uh, you know the Winnipeg Jets in their first like playoff series ever since moving back there, you know, handing out stuff. Maybe, maybe it's a little forced. Maybe it's a little contrived. But I mean. To get to the point where you're doing like Penn State kind of things, or like a striped stadium, or a blackout, or something like that, you got you got to start somewhere, right? So maybe cheesy goes then to cool. I think town will look cool if everybody's wearing the same shit, or if everybody's you know having a swinging a towel around or something like that, you know. So I'm not against the idea. I just think there's kind of like a buffer period in the middle where maybe it's kind of corny, and then you're like, oh, this is cool, you know. Uh, Adam says uh, something that sets the Union sports science apart from the rest of the league. Uh, with Elliot Madunian and Rosenberry, uh, partial credit for him. As the only MLS players to log full season minutes, um, they have seen other players do it in the past too. Yeah, they do have a really good sports science regimen. Uh, Garrison Draper's done a really good job since he's come in. Um, you know, another example I'll give you too is how they managed Brian Carroll and Warren Craval in 2016, where they just got a, a you know a great run out of both of those guys, despite Brian being in his 30s at that point. You know, they were playing them. Um, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday at, at, at some points in the season. So they've always done a really good job with it. Um, analytics, baby. Um, Vincent Hill, Hell says 442, question mark. I say yes, 442. Eric says, regardless of the outcome on Sunday, can we start calling this a rivalry game, <laughs> rivalry after the game or not? Nah? I mean, it still is. I don't, I don't believe that, like, you know, against like Eagles and Cowboys. Eagles, the Eagles hate the Cowboys, but the Cowboys don't really hate the Eagles because, you know, it's it's kind of a weird situation where up here we have Cowboy fans who aren't from Texas who are kind of like front-running poser cockroaches, right? Okay, but they don't have that in Dallas. In Dallas, they don't have like front-runner bandwagon people who are wearing Eagles gear, but they're from like Fort Worth, you know, like that's not a thing. So in, in that circumstance, it's like, okay, it's a division game, but they don't like the Redskins, you know, they just kind of like see every game as kind of another thing. We have, we have a different perspective on it. You know, it's the same with Red Bull. It's like New York and Philly has always kind of been a rivalry in general between cities, but 
you know, you don't have the history of DC United that they have. And you don't have the geographic proximity of New York City, even though the union have been around longer than NYC. That's why I always go back to that stupid comparison. I, I can't think of anything better where I say, like, you know, it's like Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and then, like, the union or, like, Penn State or something like that, where you know you don't like playing those guys and you don't really like them, but you just wouldn't say that they're public enemy number one, right? Um, Pretzel Life says two words, Roger Torres. Barry says the same thing. The best moment was definitely Torres' goal at PPL in 2011. Yeah, I mean, that was a hell of a moment. I think before the Open Cup final in 2014 and 2015, I think the loudest I've ever heard uh, Talon was when Roger Torres came in and he scored with his first touch. That was, yeah, 2011, Thierry Henry was on that team. Um, God, that was a really good, that was a good Red Bull squad back then too, but they won one nothing, beat them on national television. Um, loudest I had heard uh, Talon to that, to that point for sure. Um, Barry's question is, would, would obviously be who start in the midfield up front. Um, yeah, whenever that's so all I'll say if San, if Santos is healthy, I want to see Shabilko Santos and then Aronson like on the, the tip at the pivot. Um, and, uh, did Aronson's call up to the U S um, for what was basically training cost him a start since he was away from the team. No, I don't, I don't think it cost him a start, but God, I'd like him to stay far, far away from that program. What a, what a shit show, man. I mean, we didn't even touch on that, but like with all due respect, like Daniel Lovitz, Christian Roldan are not national team quality players. Jossie Zardes was on the bench. He's not a national team quality player. Like you can say what you want about Greg Berhalter. Um, some of these guys that are, are in the, um, you know, are in the, are in the camp right now or in the, in the setup or whatever, just are, are not, are not good enough for that level. Um, the United States has to get back to play, get back to doing what we were good at, which is playing direct, being physical, playing with heart, you know, winning with emotion and doing corny intangible things like that. We are never going to be Barcelona. <laughs> we're not like building out of the back and playing like tiki taka. All right. So, I mean, if Greg Burhalter wants to try to do square peg in the round hole here, fine. But the way, the reason that Klinsman and Bob Bradley and other people were able to do what they were able to do, Bruce arena, in World Cups and other tournaments is because it's this intangible American will to fucking win, okay? Like, we're just going to go out there and we're going to play harder than you. We're going to work harder than you. We're going to out-muscle you because we just want it more, okay? These guys go out there and they look like they're soft as shit. So, all right, that's, that's how I feel about that. Uh, Mike says a few other moments in no order. Uh, yeah, Jesse Marsh spiking the ball, the open cup. The day game victory, yeah. Yeah, the day game is interesting. That's when they went up there and they beat them, you know, because Red Bull tried to reschedule it because they had a conflict, and they went up there and they played them in like four in the afternoon. But um, that was the that was the game, too, where the um, the Union front office actually sprung for the buses to do the bus trip and get all the fans up there. And I thought that was – I gave them a lot of credit for that back in the day because it's like, look, you, you have front office, like, do what you can to help your team, you know? I mean, you, you can't go on the field and play for them. But you can help with, you know, travel, transit, getting fans involved, charter flights, you know, like John and I talked about, stuff like that. Do anything you can to help your team off the field so that they win on the field. And I thought that was a really cool moment for them. Um, that was, was that the Nogara game with the, the crazy counterattacking goal? That goal that I love? I think it was 2015. Am I thinking the same thing? It might have been. Mike also says that they threw a rock at the Sons of Ben bus leaving Harrison in 2010. And they put a crack in the window. Uh, but apparently Red Bull fans <laughs> have been indifferent ever since. Yeah. Yeah. It, how's it not a rivalry if you're throwing um, rocks at us? You know, I have a lot of trouble with that word too. Ri- rivalry, ri- rivalry, rival, rivalry. Um, yeah. And I remember in 2011 when we went all, all went up there, there was a game that Zach Pfeffer started against like, uh, oh, that, that Finnish dude in the midfield that like uh, Timo Tanio, I think his name was. Peter Novak put him like one V two against like two, like 30 year old veterans. Um, Sons of Ben brought like 200 people, and you guys were all sitting up in the upper left corner up there. I remember that game too. Um, Jared says, uh, is the league wise to Il Senio these days? It seems like they're putting extra guys on him and neutralizing his moves the past few games. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of film out on him. You know, I, I mean, he ain't surprising anybody when he comes on. Um, yeah, trying to just sort of trap him, kind of stagger. You know, so when I, when I say stagger, it's kind of like you put like a bracket of like you put two guys in front of him and then you, you step the third guy back and then you're kind of playing like zone with the third guy. Uh, but that's kind of a way where if he beats the first two guys and if he messes up his first dribble, that guy can just sort of stand in. So now they're just kind of like, like just kind of like putting that like that, that loose bracket on him and, and you know, just, just, just 
forcing him to kind of pass because it's just you don't have the numbers there. You know, it just makes too much sense to get rid of it, you know, or else you're going 1v3. So, um, Joe House says, uh, can you spend an hour breaking down Cashbury's foot injury? I don't know because I don't have the um, the x-ray chart in front of me. Uh, Joe House says also that Eric Ayuk goal. Uh, yeah, was that um, was he the one who scored that on the, the counterattack, the crazy counterattack where, where Vince Nogara just like pantsed uh, Sasha Kleschen and Latou had like the outside of the right foot assist or whatever? I think I asked him about that on the podcast that he did. Uh, episode number 50. Yeah, I, I have to go back and listen to that. Um, Rich uh, had a question about the 4-2-3-1 and the 4-4-2. I don't know what Jim will do. I hope it's a 4-4-2. Uh, under construction says the uh, the Freddie Adu game. He looked like a superstar for 30 minutes. Uh, shame it had to end like it did. Yeah, yeah, he got the red card because he, he took a, uh, a simulation yellow. And then what the hell was the other thing that happened? He he looked great for that, for that time, and then he got red carded. So he missed the rest of that game, and then he had served the suspension. That was kind of like the high point, wasn't it? Um, Dr. Strange Dupes, and this is the last one, says, uh, if you had to pinpoint one lineup decision, what would be the difference between winning and losing, and what would it be? Um, I don't know if it's one lineup decision. I think it's it's I think it's whether Jim decides to go 4-2-3-1 or 4-4-2. I mean, I think it's got to be 4-4-2. Um, you know, Aaron's – well, maybe the decision if he if – he, of where to play Montero. I mean, if he plays him as a box-to-box shuttler, great. If he wants to put him on the tip or if we get like a some kind of situation where it's like Montero on there and Carval's in the game, um, that could be highly questionable. But obviously I like my lineup. So – surprise you know surprise surprise um that's it episode 90 something uh the next time we gather with you uh i will be uh talking about a philadelphia union playoff win or a playoff loss we shall see but regardless it's always soccer philadelphia